Well, turning your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're continuing, of course, our study of Paul's letter to Timothy. We had uh, a little break. We, f- we finished chapter 3 with that little poem at the end, and then we had a break for Christmas. Then last week we talked a little bit about a new year and, and, and some things that we wanted to do for a new year, and now we get back to 1 Timothy. And, of course, chapters 1, 2, and 3, now we've got 4, 5, and 6 to go. It's a very powerful letter. We're seeing believers. He basically teaches us how believers are to conduct themselves in the body of Christ. 1 Timothy chapter three verse fifteen Paul says In case I'm delayed I write so you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of truth. So Paul writes his letter to uh, to Timothy, who's in the church at Ephesus, and it's for the whole church, but it is personally to Timothy. And he gives instructions dealing with false teachers and roles of women and prayer and characteristics of elders and deacons. There's just so much there. It is so important that we know how the church is to function. Now, as we move to chapter 4, Paul deals with an issue that is vitally important, often not even dealt with in churches. In fact, it is an issue that can destroy a church, and that is the issue of false teachers or false teaching. This morning, we want to get some details, begin getting some details concerning false teachers. And you hate it. You say, you know, if there really are false teachers in the body of Christ, there are. There are. There are people who come in who teach things that are contrary to the Bible. The Bible calls what they teach the doctrine of demons. That's a pretty strong statement, but it's true. So some questions to think about. Do you and I realize there are false teachers? How do we deal with them? How do we know what's right? How should we respond, not only as a local church, but as an individual? Well, we're hoping in the next couple of weeks, because we're going to be seeing this, that we can make some, you know, make, make some applications from God's Word as we see the truth and, and apply it. Let me ask you a question. How well do you know the Bible? I mean, many of you and many of us, we've been believers for a number of years. Do you know the Word of God? Do you know how it fits together? Do you know people, places, things? Do you know that? Could, could you tell how the end times fit together? Somebody asked you, where is Daniel in relationship to Jesus Christ? Where do Ananias and Sapphira fit in? Who was this guy named Haggai? When did he live and where did he live? Some of these are hard, but, but most of them should be known by us, those of us who have been believers for a while. A few years ago, a teacher decided to give a test to his high school seniors. Now, he was teaching a class in high school. It was a public school, but it was the Bible as literature. So he had been actually going through the Bible, and a lot of them had gone to church. So he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find out how well you know the Bible. And these were the top students in Newton, Massachusetts, senior high school. Okay? Now, the answers he got were pretty amazing when you think about it, how bad they were. And so uh, he, he picked out what he considered his top four bad answers. Let me give them to you. Here's the first one. The first one that kids put down was that Sodom and Gomorrah were lovers, right? That the New Testament Gospels were Matthew, Mark, Luther, and John. That Jesus was baptized by Moses. <laughs> And the top answer, he said, this is the one that when he got it over and over, it was wild. He said, the top answer, what is Golgotha? Golgotha was the giant that slew the apostle David. That's what they put. Sometimes we say that's funny, and sometimes we say, that's pretty sad when people really don't know the Bible. And the truth is, a lot of people don't know the Scripture. And one of the problems is that most churches don't teach the Bible, and so people aren't really taught how this all fits together. They may know some stories, but they don't know the flow. Now, something I'm going to give you now that's not going to be funny is going to make you mad, okay? About eight years ago, uh, there was a survey done by, by one of the magazines, and they decided they would ask men who were in their last year of seminary, in other words, they were fixing to graduate from seminary and go out into ministry, either being pastors, youth pastors, whatever, in churches. 
And what they wanted to do was find out what they believed. Now, I want to clarify this, that Dallas Seminary was not among this list, okay? I don't want you to know that. It was not. So here's what they asked. They asked guys who are about to be pastors. Question number one, do you believe in, the, in physical resurrection? 54% no. Do you believe in the virgin birth? 56% no. Do you believe in the deity of Jesus Christ? 80% no. Do you believe in the depravity of man? And they define depravity as that a person, a human being, is fallen, that we're sinful, and we're not able to do anything on our own to gain salvation. 98% said, no, they do not believe in the depravity of man. Last question. Do you believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ, that he would come back to the earth as the king? 95% no. Now, when you look at that, you go, wait a minute, what are these guys doing? Why are they even there? They don't believe anything. And they don't. Now, here's one of the things. It's not that they don't know the Bible. They just don't believe the Bible. Paul says that there's going to be a time in which many would move away from the truth, the truth of the Bible. That they would be teaching things that are not found in the Word of God. They would be false teaching and false teachers. They would reject the truths of the Scripture and teach, as the Bible says, the doctrines of demons. How do we respond to this? How do we respond to false teachers and their teaching? What do we do? How do we know what's right? Well, this morning we're going to see as Paul gives us some instructions in this area. Now, we're going to look at really two things. One this morning, one next week. I'll show you how it breaks down in just a, get, just a second. But remember that Paul is, is, is writing to a church. He's writing to an individual, Timothy, who's in that church. Timothy's responsibility to take this information and, and put this involved in that church. The church is Ephesus. He had been there before. He had already written a letter to the church at Ephesus. We call it Ephesians. And so this is the, basically a second letter that he's written to that church. Now, let me break down the passage for you this morning, okay? First of all, in verses 1 through 5, which is what we're going to talk about this morning, he gives information concerning false teachers. He says they're coming, and back the truth is they're already here, they're already there when he wrote this, and he, he talks about the doctrine of demons. Then next week, we're going to talk about how do you deal with false teachers. And he says, point them out, know the truth, reject their teaching, and pursue godliness. And we're going to see that next week. There's a lot in there. So this morning is the idea is going to talk about false teachers, and then next week we actually see how are you supposed to deal with these. Well, let's begin. When you think about false teachers, we say, well, are there really false teachers around here? Well, let me, I'm going to be really honest with you. There are people in this community, in this town, that are false teachers. Now, there's two ways to describe it. Sometimes there are people who teach things that are wrong, and they teach things that are wrong because they just don't know what's right. They're studying. Maybe they hadn't got it yet. If you were to go up to them and they would say something and you say, well, you know, the Bible says this, and they go, wow, you're right. That's not a false teacher. That's just a person that didn't know. A false teacher is a person who knows what they teach is wrong. It's contrary to the Scripture, and they teach it anyway. There are false teachers in this community. There are false teachers in the pulpits in this community. There are false teachers on the television. There are false teachers on the web. You just have to be careful. They're there. Paul says it, talks about it, and we'll see how it fits together. Now, he, he has already talked about this. Listen to this. This is chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, verse 3. Paul says, As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, I want you to remain at Ephesus so you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. 
Already he mentioned at the very beginning of the letter that there were people teaching things that were wrong. He goes over in verse 6 of chapter 1 and says, Some men strain from these things, meaning the truth of God's word. So he's already talked about it before. They've turned from the Bible, and you know the, we get, the great truth is we have the Word of God. There are people who do not hold to the Scripture, and if you turn from the Bible, there is no basis for authority and truth. Let's talk about something for a second about churches. First of all, you realize there are some churches that hold to and teach the Bible. We're one of those churches. We hold to the Bible. We believe the Bible is God's Word. It is perfect and true. We teach it verse by verse, passage by passage, cause expository teaching. We try to do that. Our, our whole foundation and goal is the Bible. We teach it Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, our small groups, our CBI classes. The goal is to teach the Word of God. We hold to it and teach it. Some, there are some churches that talk about the Bible, they don't teach the Bible. And you all know churches like that. They'll read a verse or two, but they'll talk. And they, they don't really actually teach what the Bible says. They talk about the Bible. And that's okay to talk about the Bible, but one of the problems is that people go through their lives hearing people talk about the Bible, but they never learn the Bible. They never know the Bible. That's why it's amazing there are people who have been Christians for 25 and 30 years, and they don't have a concept of what the Scripture is talking about because they've heard about the Bible, but they've never been taught the Bible. The third group are those who reject the Scripture and teach other things. Those are false teachers. This passage that Paul is going to talk about deals with false teachers. Let's look at it. He starts off by saying, but the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, you notice how the verse starts. It starts with a but. And but always shows a contrast. There's a contrast. Because if you remember, before Christmas, we finished and stopped chapter 3 by looking at that poem that's at the very end. If you look back at verse 16 of chapter 3, it talks about Christ, who was revealed in the flesh, vindicated in the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. That's who Jesus is. And it talked all about him, who he is. He came to the earth and died and paid for sin, rose up, went back to heaven. That was a great passage. It talked about the truths about Christ. Then he gives the contrast. But in contrast to about Jesus, the Spirit says, explicitly says, that in latter times some will fall away from the faith and they'll pay attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines, which the word doctrines means teaching, the teachings of demons. So here's what he says. He says, in contrast to the truths about Jesus Christ, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit tells us that in the, as he says here, latter times, and we'll talk about it in a minute what that means, some are going to move away from the truth. Now, the Holy Spirit's powerful because he says the Spirit is given direct revelation to Paul who writes it down, which ends up being what we call First Timothy. The Holy Spirit's powerful in our lives. The Holy Spirit indwells in us. The Holy Spirit seals us. The Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit illuminates the Scripture. The Holy Spirit empowers us. So the Holy Spirit's powerful. The Holy Spirit told Paul, the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith. Well, what is latter times? Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, in the last times, things are perilous. When are the last times? Well, the truth is found in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It basically says this, any time after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are in the last times. So we're in the last times now. They were in the last times when this was written. And we're going to find out there were already false teachers when Paul writes this letter to Timothy. We're in the last times. Now, I want you to understand, 
The next event that could happen, the next event that will happen, is Jesus Christ is going to come in the clouds. The Bible tells us when he comes in the clouds, the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we'll always be with the Lord. We call that the rapture. That is the next event that's going to happen. It could happen any second. There are no signs for the rapture. There is nothing to be done before Jesus Christ comes in the clouds. Now there's a thing called the second coming of Christ in which he comes to the earth as the king of kings and lord of lords there are a number of signs before he comes to this earth first of all there's the tribulation time period with the wars the rumors of wars and all of those kind of things so when people say things like you know jesus it's time for jesus to come back because look at all the signs there are no signs for jesus to come get us now he could come at any second so we are in the last days in the sense that you could be taken off the face of this earth if you know jesus christ as savior you could be taken off the face of this earth in a moment in a twinkle of an eye just like that. So Paul says, the Spirit says that in latter times, last days, last times, some will fall away from the faith. It's got the fall away from the faith. The word fall away actually means to move away. It means a conscious decision. It means they say, I don't hold to this. When it says the faith, it doesn't say fall from faith. It says fall from, away from the faith. The faith is talking about the doctrines, the truths, the teachings of the Bible. In the last days, people will move away from the Bible. They will fall away from the faith. And it's true. We see people turn away from the Bible. There's so many people who do not hold to the Scripture today. They sometimes say it's a good book. Sometimes they say all religions are the same. And, and the truth is people have moved away from the Bible and they've taken the values and the opinions of the culture. Ultimately, Paul describes the teaching that moves away from the Bible as the doctrine of demons. It comes from the devil, bottom line. The truth from the Bible, whenever you move away from the Bible, let's put it this way. If people move away from the Scripture and they don't teach the Scripture and they believe other things, ultimately that's the teachings of the devil. Because what the devil wants to do is get the focus off God's Word and get it focused on anything else. We know that the devil controls the fallen world system. The world system is seeking to conform you and to conform all of us. And that's his plan. And so the truth is there are guys out there who are standing behind pulpits and writing books and on the web and on TV who are false teachers, who are teaching things contrary to the Bible. They've moved away from truth. And they're teaching things that are wrong. It's powerful truth. In the world, there is either truth or lies. There's the truth, which is the Word of God, or lies, which comes from the father of lies, which is Satan. In the history of the church, there are those who, who teach things. It, it's always happened from the very beginning. Look, I want to show you something. Hold your place right there, and I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And I want you to look at verse 13, because in that section, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he's talking about false teachers. He's talking about people who come in. Now, let me say something about a false teacher. False teachers don't always look like false teachers, they don't stand up and say, I don't believe in God or Jesus. Most of the time they use the name of Jesus over and over, but just because they use the name Jesus doesn't mean they hold to the Scripture or the truths. Notice what it says here, Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. He describes them. He says, For such men are false apostles. They are deceitful workers disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. There are people on the TV, there are people in this community that use the name Jesus Christ. They do not teach the Bible. They teach things contrary to the Scripture. But they try to look like they fit 
the Scripture. Notice it goes on to say, No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Go back to 1 Timothy. Bottom line, there are people who look like they might be okay, and yet they are teaching things contrary to the Scripture. And the way you can tell, now how are you going to know? You're going to have to know the Scripture. You're going to have to know when those people say things that you say this. Wait a minute. That's not right. That's not what the Bible says. I know what the Bible says. The Bible says this. They're saying this. This is different than what the Bible says. You're going to have to know the Scripture if you're going to be able to understand these things. So don't be surprised when false teachers come trying to act like they belong to Jesus Christ. It says they come as angels of light. You know, we did a study in Sunday school, uh, in my Sunday school class, and we did a study on the cults. And we took about 12 different cults, different things. And, you know, there's some cults in this community. They, they use the name Jesus Christ. They, they call themselves Christians. They're not Christians. They don't believe the same thing. It's a different Jesus. There's some groups that uh, say that Jesus was not the God, but maybe a God. There's some people that say that Jesus was created. I mean, they're just every group you can name has something different. They come as angels. They come as those representing Jesus. And yet when you get down to it, they are teaching false things. So Paul is warning, basically, is what he says. Now, he already told this church the same thing. This is the church at Ephesus all the way back in the book of Acts. Don't turn there, but in Acts chapter 20, verse 29, Paul said that after I leave this church, there will be savage wolves come in. He is describing them as the false teachers as savage wolves. Now, the first thing I want you to get is that even when this was written, that was already last times, we're last times now, already there are people who've moved away from the truth and they teach things that are contrary to the Scripture. And Paul says these are the doctrine of demons. You have to be careful. He goes on to describe a little bit about them. Look at verse 2. He says, By means of hypocrisy of lies, seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. He says, By means of the hypocrisy of liars. Uh, of liars. But it boils down to their their. Uh, hypocrites who lie. They pretend to be one thing, but they're another. That's what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite is a person who acts like one thing and is actually another. They try to act like they're right. They're actually false teachers. And they're liars. That's the bottom line. They pretend to be one way or another. They give false teachers. And as I said earlier, a false teacher is a person that knows that what they teach is not from the Bible. Next week, verse 6 says, point these things out. Next week, I'm going to point out a few false teachers for you, just in case you're not sure who they are. I'm going to tell you who they are, because the Bible actually says you, you must know who these people are so you don't listen to them, so you know what's right. Because I guarantee you, if you listen to them very long, you'll say, that's not right, because I know the Scripture, and that's not the Scripture. I'm going to point out a person next week that has said publicly that he knows what he teaches is not from Scripture. I'll point him out next week. Now, here's the question. If a person, by meet their hip, hypocritical liars, how in the world can a person teach something that they know is wrong? How do they do it? Well, the verse goes on to say, seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. They do that because their conscience has been seared. Now, the conscience tells you right from wrong. That's what a conscience does. When, when mankind fell in the garden, you remember they ate from the tree of the what? 
the knowledge of good and evil, right and wrong. When mankind ate from the tree of right and wrong, mankind learned right from wrong. And we have a conscience. There's a part of us on the inside that tells us right from wrong. Romans chapter 2 says it is the law of God written in our hearts. All of us know right from wrong. Now that means that doesn't mean we obey it, but there is a conscience part of us and that we know that our conscience can say, no, that's wrong. Now, what you can do is you can do something wrong enough that your conscience doesn't bother you anymore. That's called a seared conscience. If you lie enough, if you steal enough, if you do enough things wrong over and over, eventually your conscience won't bother you. These people have taught false things long enough that their conscience is seared. It doesn't bother them to teach the wrong things. It doesn't bother them because their conscience has been seared. A conscience is really like a, the warning lines on the highway to, to tell us where to be, but, but we don't always obey it. Charles Spurgeon said this, As a hot iron deadens the part of the skin it touches, the conscience can be seared and is no longer sensitive. These people aren't sensitive to the fact that they're liars. They're not sensitive to the fact that they teach things contrary to the Scripture. They're called hypocritical liars. We saw earlier that as believers, we're to have faith and a good conscience. These reject the truth and have a seared conscience. It is so sad that there are those today who teach, not from the Bible, but they teach with a straight face. Warren Worsby said this, False teachers want people to follow them, their group. Truth teachers want people to follow Jesus. Listen, one of the signs that you can get if a person's a false teacher is are they wanting people to trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Him alone and grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, or are they wanting you to be in their group? That's what Warren Wiersbe says. Now, Paul's going to give some examples at this time of what were some false things, some things that were wrong. And let me, let me tell you, at this time, there were some people going around saying that you need to deny yourself. If you really want to be spiritual, you deny yourself. Notice verse 3. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared, shared in by those who believe and know the truth. One of the things that they were doing is saying that you shouldn't marry and you shouldn't eat certain foods. Now, the the word food there it was the word for meat and so they said there were certain meats that people couldn't eat they were going around saying if you really want to be spiritual don't get married if you really want to be spiritual don't eat these foods now the truth is this that spirituality doesn't come by a set of rules you're not spiritual because we say let me make a bunch of rules for you don't smoke don't drink don't play cards don't go to movies don't there have been christians all throughout history had that set of rules they think that makes them spiritual you're not spiritual by keeping a set of rules you're spiritual when you're controlled by the holy spirit the Christian life is not a set of rules. It is not legalism. Even at this time, these false teachers were saying, you can't marry and you can't eat certain foods. That's what they were saying. And today, there's so many churches that have put Christians under a set of rules. And they say things like, if you don't do certain things, that'll make you spiritual. The Christian life is lived in the power of the Holy Spirit based on the Word of God as a walk of faith. A walk of faith based on the Word of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the Christian life. It's not a set of rules. And so he says, men, these people were saying, you can't do this and you can't do that. They wanted to deny physical things. They thought that would make people spiritual. Look what uh, 
Paul says. He says that pe- people who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from certain foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in shared in by those who believe and know the truth. Now, the two things he talked about, these things are created by God. Notice what it says. God has created these things, which God has created to be gratefully shared. God is the one that created marriage. He's the one that brought the first two together. He says it's not good for man to be alone. A man should leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. Consequently, they're no longer two but one. God said, I'm the one that came up with that. I'm not saying don't marry. God said, guess who made all the food? He did. And he says, there's some people even today say, well, you shouldn't eat certain foods. Well, maybe some certain, you can't eat too much of certain foods. But do you understand in Mark chapter 7, Jesus Christ declared all foods as clean. All food. We know under the Mosaic law there were certain things they could eat and not eat. We've never been under the Mosaic law, by the way. There's some people who teach today that what we ought to do is go back to the Mosaic law and only eat what the Jewish people could eat or not eat. Jesus Christ changed that. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus said, all foods are clean. That means you can eat anything you want. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8, Paul says, food does not make us better or worse. So Paul says this, some men forbid marriage and abstain from certain foods and everything, but God has created these to be gratefully shared by those who believe and know the truth. We're supposed to know the truth of the Word of God. It boils down to this. How are you going to know what's right? How are you going to know if it's a false teacher? You know the Scripture. That's why we teach the Bible verse by verse, passage by passage, so you can know the Scripture. So when you hear something that is contrary to the Scripture, you go, that's not right. I know what the Scripture says. If somebody said to you that Jesus Christ was not the eternal God, he's a God who was created by the God, you would not believe that because you know the Scripture enough to know that Jesus Christ is the eternal God. One God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ has been forever and always will be. He's the eternal God who left the glories of heaven, became a human being, died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again, ascended back to heaven, and coming again. You know that. If somebody were to say to you, He's not the God, He's a God, you know that's wrong. Because you know the Scripture. And you can tell a false teacher immediately dealing with something like that. That's why Paul says you have to know who believe and know the truth. Now, all of these things right here, this, this stuff is from God, and it's good. Notice, for everything, verse 4, everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if received with gratitude. Listen, Dwayne Lifton, who was one of my professors at Dallas Seminary, said, you know, man can abuse what God has created. Everything created by God is good. Think about sexual relations. Sexual relations is great in the marriage, but you can have adultery and fornication, and that messes it up. And, and all kind of foods are good, but you can have gluttony and have too much. So, so when he says all things created by God are good, it is true. Now, we can mess it up, but it's created by good, and nothing is to be rejected. It is received with Gratitude with thanksgiving. Listen, you have great freedom as a Christian. Great freedom. In fact, the Bible says in Galatians 5.13, we've been called into freedom only. Don't use our freedom for the flesh, but use our freedom to serve one another. You have great freedom to live the Christian life, and the goal is you've been set free to serve Jesus Christ and to serve others. That's what it's all about. You have great freedom. About, a guy by the name of George Herbert wrote this because we're thinking about the, the, uh, the idea of gratitude. He said this. He prayed to God and said, God, you have given me so much. Give me one more thing, a grateful heart. And that's what we want to do.
We should be thankful for all that we have. Now, why is it okay to, to, to do all this? It says all things were created by God as good, nothing to be rejected, received with gratitude. Why? Because verse 5 says, For it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. See, the word of God tells us the rights and the wrongs. It's set apart by the word of God. That's what it really says. The Bible tells us that all the things that God has done is good for us, and they're not a set of rules and those things. The word of God tells us right and wrong, what is good and what is best. And we have great freedom. Then he gives the warning. And he says there are false teachers out there. And they move away from the truth. They teach doctrine of demons. They deny, in this passage, they denied marriage and foods. Nowadays, they do other things. They set up rules. The truth is, all things are from God are good. And we have great freedom, and they're set apart by the Word of God. Now, Paul warns about the false teachers. They're here. How do we deal with these false teachers? That's what we're going to see next week. He's going to start in verse 6. He says, In pointing these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. So next week we're going to talk about how do you deal with people who are false teachers. This morning, we want you to be able to recognize them next time how to deal with them. What have we seen? Well, we've seen information concerning false teachers, the doctors of demons. They're people who moved away from the truth. It may surprise you because they're people who use the name of Jesus Christ. And be very, very careful. I've had people come to me and say, but that guy talks about Jesus all the time. I say, listen to what he's saying. Be careful on what he's saying. I remember as a young Christian, uh, well, let me put it this way. I trusted Christ when I was 19, but when I was 25, 26, I started growing. And when I started growing, I remember I turned on the TV and there was this uh, guy that was, uh, he came on every Sunday morning. And I got up pretty early and he was on early, so I was watching him. And they had good music and everything. And so I was watching and I thought, this is pretty good. At least I thought it was pretty good. I wasn't really listening. And, and, uh, and I went and told my pastor, Nap. I said, hey, Nap, I've been listening to, and I told who it was. I said, uh, it's pretty good stuff. And he went, uh, no, it's not pretty good stuff. And I said, what? Music's good. He said, yeah, yeah, music's good. Uh, listen to what he has to say. Listen to what his gospel message is. Listen to what he says about salvation. So the next Sunday, I got up early, and I turned it on, and I sat there, and he never even talked about Jesus Christ He actually said that in order to be saved, you you do good things. If you do good things, God will save you. And I had not listened at all closely. I mean, I was just starting to grow. And I realized this guy hadn't even said anything close to what the Bible says. In fact, the truth was, he never even opened the Bible. He just kind of walked, you know, those guys, they walk back and forth talking. They don't even use the Bible. They just go back and forth. Maybe you're where I was. Very careful. You start looking. If you think somebody's good, if you think somebody's right, you better start listening to what they have to say. Because they use the name of Jesus, but that doesn't mean they're not a false teacher. Next week we'll see how that ties together. God's Word is the key. It's the basis for our lives. Let me tell you, I talked about this earlier but I've had so many of you come up to me and just say, you know, J.B., I went home for the weekend. I went to a church I hadn't gone to. And you know what? The guy read a verse, and he never talked about the Bible again. Be very careful. You'll find that there are people who actually teach the Bible. There are people who talk about the Bible, and there are people who reject the Scripture. Even the ones who just talk about the Bible, be very careful because you're not going to learn much because they're going to talk about the Bible, but they're not going to teach it. I remember 
in that same time I was growing, I went home for a weekend with one of my friends. And we went to his home church. And I had been used to a pastor who actually taught the Bible verse by verse. So I took my Bible. But what was so strange is I noticed that nobody else had their Bibles. You know, you're going into church, you got a Bible. I look around, nobody else had Bibles. They had them on the back of the pews, but nobody else had Bibles. And so I sat down and I thought, wonder where he's going to teach from today. He read a verse and shut his Bible up and never used it again. And I remember thinking, that is no fun. Right, because who wants to hear somebody's opinion? Who wants to hear somebody's stories? Do you want to hear my stories? I mean, i got some good stories, but they're not worth anything. Let's face it, right? i got to tell you some stories. But what's better is the Word of God. Let me give you some applications. First one is this. Realize that there are false teachers that teach doctrine of demons. They are out there. They reject the Word of God. They set up rules. They put people under things. They teach things. They deny the Word of God. They may even use the name Jesus, but they are false teachers. You're going to have to know what you believe. Okay? So that's number two. You must go to the Word of God for truth. You've got to go to the Scripture. It is the basis for our life. It is the authority. It's sound doctrine. You've got to know what you believe and why. You've got to study the Scripture. You've got to study it. You've got to dig it. Whether it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whether it's in the, 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 the CVI classes, whether it's in small groups, whether it's your personal Bible study, whatever it is, got to dig the Scripture so you know that. So two things, so you can recognize false teachers when they teach things contrary to Scripture, and number two, that you can know the Word of God so you can live out the truth, because that's the key. we got to live by the Scripture, reject the false teaching, live by the Word of God. The third thing is enjoy God's creation. Everything God created is good. I mean, think about it. Food and family and marriage and animals and outdoors and everything. That's all from God for us to enjoy. And so enjoy what God has given to us. Live for the glory of our Savior. So may we recognize these false teachers, know when they're here, and may we study and apply the Word of God so that we can live by the truths of the Scripture. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these great truths. Lord, we know there are false teachers out there. And, and Lord, all we have to do really is just look at what they're saying. They have to be, they have to just watch carefully because they say some of the right things, but we know that some of the things they teach are just contrary to the Scripture. Lord, may we be ready. May we understand. May we realize that. Lord, the basis is we have to go to the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible, how perfect it is. It is alive and powerful. It never comes back void. It's the truth. It's profitable. It's everything we could imagine. Thank you for giving us a written revelation that we can know and apply. So may we study it and dig it and know it so that we can be ready to give an answer for everyone for the hope that is in us so that we can recognize false teachers and that we can know how we're to live righteously and godly even now. Thank you, Lord, for the creation that you've given us, the animals and plants and food and marriage and families and just everything, the outdoors. Thank you for all of that, Lord, because we know everything created by you is good and it's nothing to be rejected if it's received with gratitude. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you for each one in this room, Lord. Use us for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.